0: Hey guys, this is Pastor Mark Warren from Church at the Crossroads. Thank you for checking out our podcast. My prayer is that you're encouraged and challenged as you hear, understand, and obey God's Word today. God's blessed us with many visions within the church. Uh, The youth, the vision for the youth. Uh, New Year's Eve, we had a uh, uh, lock-in, youth lock-in, and... um, you know my wife survived how many youth lock-ins has that been it's been quite a yeah we've it's been become a tradition here at church of the crossroads um to welcome in the new year on main street and we thank god they had a songwriting contest i wish you could have been part of that and witnessed uh they had three categories there was humor uh, they had to write a love song. And what was the other one? Sad. A Sad song. Because I was thinking, you know, uh, the, they had three different groups. And, and Chloe, her group was singing this really sad and just absolutely depressing song about being alone and all this. And I'm like, wow, on earth. I'm thinking, what have I done as a father, you know? I mean, what in the world, you know? I didn't know. I didn't know. I was like, why did, why did she write this song? And then, then Ivy writes this song about some guy, he goes to the altar, and he changes his mind at the altar. It's like, <laughs> it's supposed to say, I do, but he says, I'm saying I don't, or something like that. And then I, I started thinking, you know, that's when common sense kicked in, and I started thinking, well, maybe this is Satire you know and of course my wife would be like you think but anyway it it was a good time and um we had the exciting news of uh Trent and you know the, with the um engage, Hannah with the engagement and that you know that that even really confused me you know with the the song and but <laughs> but it uh, but Trent gave him a low score to kind of uh express his opinion of that but it was a fun time and it was a great we had a table full of uh, food and just it it was it was fun and the vision of the church part of the vision of the church is to reach and equip the young people and that young people would see themselves as being the church of the day not the church of the future I was blessed I grew up in a a church in Newport News and we we hung out at the church. We spent Friday and Saturday night down at the church playing ping pong, playing music, and just and the pastor and the leadership of the church never never viewed us as a problem, but saw us as being an important part of the church. And uh, Amy and her family they've been involved in ministry and working in churches from the time. Uh, she was a teenager until now, so our our passion and our, our, our deep conviction is that young people are part of the church and that we, um, we involve them and include them and that they they will one day lead this this effort you know and and the best training for that is to involve them now and several of our young people um, Talk to us and carry on conversations. I, uh, I'm blessed by, by what they're doing and how they're, they're growing to watch their faith, to watch their um, talking to other young people and being able to uh, speak the truth and to encourage them to, to grow spiritually. In addition to that, we have other ministries that are part of the vision here at Church of the Crossroads. We have a men's ministry. We have the women's ministry. We have the, the music ministries. Uh, we're working to do a youth outreach down at the well. And part of our vision, we've, uh, we've attracted other people in the community, even down into Hampton Roads, who they are like us. They're serving the Lord. And they see us as uh, comrades. You know, people that they are in ministry with, that we have a common goal. Uh, we're, we're friends with the well, with uh, the owners of Vito's, who are both believers, and they're involved in a, a local church in Murfreesboro. And I was eating dinner over there one night, and, and Vito was like, you know, I really have this vision to see Christian music in Vito's. And I'm thinking of all the people in this town that you could tell that to, you know. You're going to tell that to me, and here we are. We have these bands and bands forming at that time, and now we we partner with them. And when we go in there, we, uh, you know, they'll say, "Hey, when when can you when can you play again?" Because there's a a partnership, and we we're thankful to God, but we're not we're not satisfied that. God is, is finished, and my, my prayer for 2022 is that each person here, that you would find a connection. We have plenty of musicians, but music is not the only ministry of Church of the Crossroads. And that leads me to the next point, is the coffee house. And I wanted to just give you a, a little synopsis of the vision for the coffee. Uh, Coffee house before we get into the mes- uh, message, we were down in Portsmouth at the well, and at the at, if you 've been to the well, they have pictures all over the walls at the well of musicians and bands that have played at the well and growing up one of my one of my dreams was to be part of a coffeehouse. I loved as a young Christian musician, I loved playing in um, Virginia Beach at the fire escape, Haggas Place in Newport News. Neither one of those places are around anymore, but there was also a coffee house in uh, Portsmouth at the time that we played at, and so that's always been a passion. So I was sitting there one day and I was looking at those pictures. You know, uh, one of our our bands was playing, and Chuck was there talking to me, and I said, "Man, I want to do this." And Chuck looked at me and he's like. You, you, you want your picture up on the wall? It's already up there with which vintage cross. What are you talking about? I said, no, I want to do this. I want to see this done at Church of the Crossroads. And, and I just shared how it was a vision that I had to, um, to be involved in the coffee house. And Chuck, you know, he started thinking about it, and he mentioned it to Tyler, and they talked about it. And they, they got together and they laid out a plan to do that here on, before our First Friday, to not change First Friday, because that's been a tremendous blessing, but to incorporate a vision for a coffee house that would allow musicians, not just here, but throughout the community, even down to Hampton Roads, to come together and play music, you know play Christian music, and have a time of fellowship followed by a night of worship. And there are a lot of details involved in that unrelated to music. The music part of it is planned out and organized already. What's needed is, and I said I will be a part of the non-musical part, and it's just the, the hanging out, the fellowship, the, uh, the talking. We used to go to those coffee houses and you sit around and you make conversations with people and you get to know people. You might play checkers or chess or have you know some food together and you hang out and develop relationships. You clean up afterwards, you move chairs back and you do all of those things as a, as a community. And we have room for people to get in. In the very beginning on the ground floor and, and work through this together, To invite people not just from uh, our church, but also people in in the community so that we can uh, transition and present the gospel, but not just present the gospel, but to encourage people in their walk with uh, Christ. So I encourage you to come out uh, this Friday and just kind of hear Chuck and uh, Tyler just kind of share... Uh, their vision, because the way I believe the um, the local church works is many times you know the leadership of the church or someone in the church would have a vision. It doesn't mean you're going to be the one, because God put it on my heart to share that, but God also put it on the hearts of other people who are going to work with the organization in the planning in the production of what's gonna go on. So it's a it's a shared, it's a shared vision. And you know, those of you who know me know that I'm always willing to step out of the forefront to let other people uh, use their gifts in ministry because my mind just works really fast and I see multiple things at a time and I, I want to be used by God's um, using God's kingdom to develop people, and to encourage that. So I, my prayer is that some of you here that have not really found a, a spot to get connected would see this as an opportunity to come alongside of other people and just invite people, organize people, and help that um, this time. We're going to do six. We've, we're, gonna, we're making a commitment to one another to do this for six months and then evaluate what, how this would fit into the ministries of uh, Church of the Crossroads. In the five years that Amy and I have been here, we've tried multiple things. You know, many of the things that we initiated and started or continue have continued and they grow. Some things we've done a few times and just felt like, you know, what this is not the time for this. It doesn't mean it's not the time forever, but it just means at that, that particular time that this uh, particular outreach or um, ministry that we were uh, moving into was not the best fit, and I believe that's very similar to what happened in the book of Acts, is that in, in growing God's kingdom and in following Christ as a community, you do some things that exceed your expectations, and then there's some things that you regroup on, and you, you know you might revisit. So pray for us in this, and um, you know, let's, let's do this together and pray about it as to whether or not God would have you um, be involved in this. Now, we are wrapping up chapter 8 in Romans today. We're going to be looking at verses 31 through 39. So let's just have a word of prayer as we transition to uh, God's word, and we'll begin our time. Father God, we thank you so much for your word. Lord, I pray that you will speak to us today through your word and teach us how to follow and obey you better. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Today we want to look at three assurances of adoption. Prior in chapter 8, you know, Paul writes about being adopted into God's kingdom, that the church that he's writing to in Rome, they are adopted into Christ. And it brings me to a story of when I was teaching math in Atlantic Shores. I was teaching math down there, and one year, three young ladies who were orphans came to the school. And as it has it, they did not speak a word of English. So the oldest one they, they placed in, in my class as their homeroom teacher Because we shared the common language of math. And God allowed me to teach each one of these three young ladies. And the couple that adopted them, they had a story where they went to, uh, the mother was in Ukraine, and she heard the story about these three girls. And what happened is, they were at an orphanage, and most people cannot afford to adopt three children. So uh, adopting one would not be a problem, but the girls did not want to be separated. So finally, there's a couple that wanted to adopt two of them. So they were going to adopt the oldest and the middle middle one. And the oldest um, girl said, No, I, I, I've been here the longest, and I'm the best equipped to deal with this situation. Take the youngest and the middle one. And so a lady who was visiting, who had the financial means to adopt all three, heard that story, and she said, you know, I don't want that to happen. So it was not on her radar. It was not in her plans. But because of that unique situation, she adopted all three girls and brought them to Virginia Beach and enrolled them in our school. And God gave me the opportunity to teach all three and to see God's hand in that adoption. Now, you and I were spiritually adopted into Christ, we were separated from God, we were lost, and God spiritually adopted us through Christ. And there are some benefits of that adoption that we probably never thought about. And I want to share with you from God's Word how you have been benefited, you have been blessed through your adoption into Christ. Paul says, What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship, persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons neither in the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor death nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What are three main questions that Paul asks the church at Rome? Now, if you will come on Wednesday night to participate on our Bible study People have told me that they've learned more from the Wednesday night Bible study than they have listening to sermons over the years, because they dig into God's word and see it for themselves. In this passage, there are three main questions. And then each of those main questions, they're sub-questions. And by understanding this one literary observation, you understand the you unlock the key to this passage. First question, it says, if God is for us, who is against us? And then there's the secondary question It says, how will he not also with him, with Christ, give us everything? The other question, who can bring an accusation against God's elect? Those, God, God's elect, what it means is the elector God are those that God chose. And God chose us not because we're better than other people, but he chose us because we placed our faith in his son. God sent his son to be the savior of the world. And when you and I place our faith in Christ alone for salvation, we are elected of God, chosen by God to be his child. We are spiritually adopted. And we belong to Christ. Just like those three girls became part of that family, that very affluent and blessed and favored family. They didn't have a father. Now they had a father. And that father was able to teach them how to play golf and do all types of fun fun things. They didn't have that before. But then through this relationship with this family, they had those benefits. And you and I, when we come into God's family, we're no longer condemned. We're no longer judged by the sins and the bad things that we did. We receive the benefit of Christ's righteousness. Before, guilty, shame. We've done the wrong thing, and rightly so, we are We are condemned because of the wrongs that we've done. You and I, every one of us have made mistakes. We've sinned against God. And in Christ, God is able to forgive us and bring us into his family, and we have the benefits of that family. Third question is, who can separate us from the love of Christ? I can still picture that older man who had already raised his children, bringing those three little girls to school. I could still picture that. In fact, just the other day, I saw a picture on Facebook, and that that man's getting much older. And I saw him with those, those girls at their house for Christmas. All these years later, where they're now close to 30 years old, And just uh, the love of that new relationship that they did not have, but he brought them into his family. His wife met them over there in Ukraine and probably shared with him their story. And I can imagine that he said, go ahead, let's do this. I'm sure they didn't act independently. That's a big decision to bring in people into your family. And it is an act of love. But, you know, even more important than that, even more incredible than that, is that the eternal God of the universe adopted you and I and brought us into his family. Even though we're guilty, even though we've made mistakes, and he included us. And Paul writes, can affliction or distress or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword, separate us from the love of Christ? Can all of the trouble that we go through in this life, all of the challenges of just being human, just living in this world with all of the potential for hurt and pain, be such that we would be separated from God's love? Can the cares and the challenges of this life keep us from knowing God and his love? He asked that question. Three powerful questions that explain our, our adoption into God's family. If God is for us, who is against us? Who can bring an accusation, a charge against God's elect? And who can separate us from the love of Christ? If God gave us his son, There is nothing we need that he will not give us. If God gave us Jesus as our Lord and Savior, there's nothing that we need that he has not given us. In fact, he writes to the Corinthian church. He says, we are blessed with spiritual blessings, with every spiritual gift in Christ Jesus. Everything that we need. You know, we've had a Christmas tree here in years past where people would... Uh, place their need on the Christmas tree or their desire, and other people would buy them gifts to, to bless them. Even more so, our spiritual needs, our deepest needs of hurt, God has blessed through Christ Jesus. In fact, David said in the book of Psalms, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. God has met our needs. If God would give us, this is Paul's argument, if God would give us his very son to be our Lord and our Savior, there's nothing that we lack spiritually that he's not given us. Next question is, who can bring an accusation against God's elect? Paul argues that God has justified us through his son, that we are justified because Christ died for us, and rose from the dead. He died on the cross to take our sins. He's rose from the dead to give us power over sin and death. By his resurrection, the same God who raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of us to give us spiritual life and power. He says, "You will be my witnesses when when the Holy Spirit is come upon you, you will be my witness. Go you into all the world and preach the gospel." For, lo, I am with you always. Christ intercedes with us, Paul says, before the Father. So by having Christ, we have one who died on the cross for our sins. We have one who rose from the dead to give us power over sin and death. And we have one who stands before God the Father interceding for us, saying we are righteous because of what he did for us on the cross. So that when we make mistakes, God's plan is not to wipe you out or destroy you, but to reconcile you and to correct you and to move you away from self-destructive behavior to positive, healthy behavior that is going to benefit you, that's going to bring you love, it's going to bring you joy, it's going to bring you peace as you follow and obey Christ rather than yourself. Finally, the next question is, who can separate us from the love of Christ? See, the world and the temptation in this world is to separate you from your relationship with Christ. The love that you have, the peace, the joy that you have through your relationship with Christ, the world will send trouble to trouble you. Hardship and difficulty where you'll begin to question whether or not you did something wrong, whether God's angry at you, persecution where you'll question whether or not you 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 know whether or not what you believe is true, if you're doing the right thing, hunger that will test your faith to trust God for provision, and danger that would provoke fear and uncertainty in you. All of those things are not from the Lord. And God is saying that although you're going to go through some things in this life, and I'm not going to stand up here and say if you come to Christ, and as you grow in Christ, you will not experience challenges in life. But what I can tell you based on God's word is that God does not leave you in these situations. That God does not turn your back. He does not turn his back on you just because you wake up and your world is falling apart. That God loves you and he will never leave you nor forsake you. What are the three life-changing benefits of our spiritual adoption? Number one is God gave us his son. God gave us his son. That shows God's love for you. Number two, God has accepted us as his children. People long to be accepted. The fear of rejection, you know, is one of the the greatest fears. In fact, people struggle to make a living because they cannot overcome the fear of rejection. I've been sent to numerous conferences on training to handle rejection and the type of work that I've had to do in my life. And people struggle with it. It's real. People fear somebody telling them no. They're afraid of it. Psychologically, there is a fear. I can remember as a young man having to make cold calls. I don't know if anybody in here has ever made cold calls where you call up strangers and you pitch a product or something like that. I remember the anxiety. I can remember watching people in that room with the phone and say, man, my heart's just beating so fast. And this just fear this tremendous fear of somebody saying, no thanks, I'm not interested, I don't want it. It's just that fear. But see, you don't have that spiritually. You don't have to fear being rejected by the one who created you. And you know from our studies and just being people who are exposed to learning and knowledge, the the horrible uh, results of a person growing up in a home where the parents rejected them, and they talk about the pressure on a father, you know, the father that rejected the person, and how the effects that has on them. Maybe some of us here are experiencing some fallout from that, where we felt rejected by our parents, but see, God knows us as our creator. He knows us. He knows the importance. What, what would it have done if God says, yeah, I sent Jesus to die on the cross from you, and I'm going to remind you of that. Every time you mess up, every time you mess up, you hear God saying, Oh my goodness, why would I send Jesus to die for you if you're just going to blow it all the time? But you don't see that, and that sounds absurd. You don't see that in Scripture. What you see, a benefit of adoption, is that God has included and accepted you, and he loves you despite the fact that you sinned before. You sin now from time to time, and you will sin in the future. But the Holy Spirit in you will use this to motivate you. And I don't have to come in here and try to scare you into obedience. I don't have to cast fear on you And scream and holler and tell you that if you slip up today, if you're walking down the street and you slip up and you say something you shouldn't, that you should expect lightning to just come down and crush you and destroy you because you're a horrible person. God does not work that way. You can read the Word of God. And although there are consequences and God is holy and we should reverence and fear God, The gist of Scripture, the theme of Scripture, is one of love and acceptance. That you are a child of God. And even there is love and compassion in the way that Jesus dealt with the worst of betrayers in the Bible, Judas. There is love. There is love in how Jesus restored Peter. There's love in how God restored David. Because he's accepted him, he loved him, he included him as his child. Number three, God will never leave you or forsake you. If you are a child of God and you've been adopted into God's family, God is never going to leave you or forsake you. Now I want you to think about the story I told you in the beginning. There are three things that I observed in the father of this family that adopted these three girls. There are three things that I clearly observed that just came to me like a light going off that he communicated, that he communicated so well. And these things are communicated to us by God the Father that God says these things to you in your spirit as a child of God. Number one is, he says, I love you. Unconditional love. Love that should be stronger than any sense of rejection or inadequacy. It's love that should be stronger than any fear of guilt or shame. Is that God would say, I love you. And then the second thing he would say is I have chosen you and accepted you as my child. You belong to me. You can say, my Father, my Heavenly Father, I belong. I am included. I am special. I am loved. And that should motivate us, not fear, because the Bible says perfect love casts out fear. That should be our motivation to follow and obey Christ, and to mess up no more than we have to. You know, it's no more than we do. And to when we do is to return to God because he loves us like the prodigal son. You know, when the son came to his senses, you know, the father didn't chase him down to that faraway country. He didn't chase him down there, condemning him, criticizing him. But he loved him, he waited, and when he returned and when he came to his senses and he realized he was convicted that what he did was wrong, the Father loved him, embraced him, accepted him, and restored him. And God loves us, he embraces us, he restores us into relationship with him so that we can serve him and obey him. God does not see us just today and the mistakes that we make, but he sees the big picture. He sees us growing up and maturing. I've seen so many students over the years that I've taught, and I've seen them become such incredible men and women of God. And, and although I remember all the foolishness when they were 12 years old, you know, it's, it's just sometimes I shake my head and I think, how could this young man or this young woman who has become such a tremendous father or mother, who's accomplished all of these good things for the kingdom of God, who's grown as a person. How in the world could they be, that 11- or 12-year-old, doing the foolishness that I can remember from the classroom? It's called maturity. That God has a plan, and he works with us, and he loves us, And it is through his love and his acceptance that he does for us what we can't do for ourselves. No matter how hard you try, you can't be a perfect person. You can't live in such a way. You know, um, I think it was Ben Franklin who who tried to be perfect. And I remember reading that thinking, why on earth would anybody try to do that? You know, that's impossible. But it says Ben Franklin came up with 13 areas, 13 areas to work on. And he was going to work on each one for a season until he became perfect. And at the end, he says, I realized that I couldn't be perfect. That's pretty basic. That's obvious, right? He says, and what I realized is when I would work on one area, another area would suffer. Because we can't be perfect. But God, is, God accepts us as we are in our imperfection. And he develops us and he helps us grow and he matures us so that the person we become, because the person you will be in the future, you are becoming today. And in the future, as you grow spiritually and you mature, you'll look back and you'll see, You know, it's like Ivy looked at this picture that she drew three or four years ago and she says, Wow, that was, I could do better now. Well, that's how we are spiritually. We grow. God wants us to grow. And it's in that relationship that we grow and we look back and say, I was kind of immature. I made mistakes. And God knows that about us, He sees the future. He knows the path, and he loves us despite that, and he works through that. The third thing is, God says, I will never leave you or forsake you. Whatever you've gone through, whatever you're going through, my prayer is that you would hear God's voice, that God's voice would speak to you clearly today, and that you would hear God the Father echoing into your mind I love you, I accept you as my child, and I will never leave you or forsake you. That we are in this together, and you you are forgiven because of what Jesus, what Christ did for you, and that we are serving God, we are worshiping God, we're seeking to help other people serve God out of love and acceptance and security in our position and our adoption in Christ. You know, I I was so blessed by that story and getting to know these uh, young ladies as a school teacher. I'd spent four years in Bible college praying for Russia as part of a prayer group. I I had a desire to to just pray for the people of russia and i wanted to go there as a young person and god still might work that out you know with the relationships that god is opening up uh for the church and for me with the missions maybe that will come to pass but i prayed all those all those years and when i started teaching school at that uh christian school in virginia beach it's like god brought russia to the classroom i had uh Not only those students, but I had other students who had been orphans from Russia and in that area of Ukraine. And the thing is, is God was able to answer those prayers through the ministry that I had, teaching them math, supporting those two, uh, that man and that woman who loved the Lord and who poured into those children and invested into them time and energy, not just adopting them and giving them a place to stay, but teaching them how to play golf, supporting them, coming to their soccer games and watching them play and pouring that, that just that love and that compassion and that building up of another person. And as I look at this passage and I see that word adoption, I say God has done all of that for us and a lot more. Because we are brought out of a bad situation. And I didn't want to tell you how bad their situation was. That's a whole other story. But it is worse than you can imagine. Worse than you can imagine. And that story was shared with my class through a video that um, CBN made of this story. So that the whole class could see the story and see not the evil, but to see God's hand of love and adoption and God's providence to say and to hear you know, the thought of someone coming to my classroom from another part of the world and saying, when I was over there, I did not know that God was working behind the scenes to bring me to this country one day for a purpose and a reason. And you and I God has worked behind the scenes to bring you here into relationship with Christ for a purpose and a reason that you would help other people, that you would grow spiritually, and that you would reflect God's love, God's acceptance, and God's companionship and relationship with you through Christ. That God loves you. He accepts you as his child through Christ and that he will never leave you nor forsake you because Jesus died for your sins, lives in you through the Holy Spirit to help you follow and obey him as a child of God as you trust him and obey him and surrender your life to him. Thanks for joining us today. Visit us at CrossroadsAhoskey.com for more information, additional resources, and service times.